My name is Owen. Today is Tuesday, November 16th, back-to-back pods, giving y'all the content. And I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing well. Not a ton changed since last <laughs> night, though I did get some speakers I acquired through the moving job installed. And uh, just two hours before this, I it, all the music I've listened to has sounded different all day. Okay. I haven't quite been able to place how. And I listened to one of my favorite albums like two hours ago and it sounded so good. You were rocking out. Nice. <laughs> it was like listening to it for the first time all over again, almost the way some amazing. of the parts sounded clear. So that was amazing and gives me a lot to look forward to. Other than that, been a nice relaxing day. Uh, yesterday heading to work, I my bike key would not open the lock. So I had to Metro to work, which really sucked. Uh, and I was yeah. able to get that taken care of with some W40-esque stuff today, which nice to know I'll be biking to work tomorrow. How are you doing? Lovely. Doing well. Uh, my bike is still, I just cannot seem to find the right tube for it. So I will be walking to work as well tomorrow. Um, but that's only about a 20 minute walk for me. So not too bad. And I, I find, cause I have, a, I wake up nice and early that it gets my brain going for the day. So I don't mind the walk in the morning. Just got to avoid the London crazies. Uh, yeah. Walk or bike ride. It's nice to have a little exercise in the day. I mean, that's like 12 kilometers for me. I get to bike every day I work. So that's just a bonus, right? You're just you're just a specimen right now, aren't you? We're getting there. Yeah. Let's see, check back in in six months. Uh, that's gonna play well at the bars for you. <laughs> yes, sir. I hope. <laughs> All righty, we are on to sports again. A busy Tuesday night uh, and a fairly busy Monday night. While we were recording, the Los Angeles Rams, who I had propped up a little bit. They get blown out by the San Francisco 49ers in yet another weird game uh, this season. Matthew Stafford did not look good. And OBJ, the memes are already flying, sitting on the sidelines thinking, I forced my way out of Cleveland just to end up in a similar situation. <laughs> so a little bit of comedy there, but that's a weird one. And we look forward to uh, week 11 next weekend in the NFL as we move along here. Uh, A couple other quick notes. The Leafs, Kyle Clifford has been added to the roster. He's back after he came over with Jack Campbell a couple seasons ago, adding another physical guy that they can plug into the fourth line. And I I thought the funniest part about this reading, some of the things on Twitter was it is going to be a little awkward. The first interaction he has with Peter Mrazek, because there is that instance where he absolutely demolished him coming out of, uh, out of his crease to play the puck when he, when Clifford was Toronto and Mrazek was in Carolina. So that'll be a interesting interaction when they're in the locker room together for the first time. But I liked him when he was with us a couple seasons ago. And I think if he's not your everyday player, he'll add a lot of toughness to this lineup and add to a fourth line. It's just great to have another guy that you can plug in if, if someone gets hurt and, uh, yeah, doesn't look like they're going to give up much right now. It just says for future considerations. And then last bit of news here before we dive back into our NBA check-in, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays 
dipping into their pockets once again. Um, a team that historically has not spent in the past, even though they are owned by Rogers, which is for any of our listeners south of the border, um, basically your equivalent to like Verizon, AT&T. It's the largest telecommunications provider in Canada. They are extremely wealthy and they can afford to do this. Rates and, are way worse in Canada than yeah, almost anywhere else. In they the world. gouge you and that's why they're so successful. Um, and they've dipped into their pockets and spent the big bucks on a second ace to add to the Blue Jays rotation. They extend Jose Barrios, who they traded for at the trade deadline, giving up their two top prospects essentially to get this guy. And now they have him for another seven years at $131 million, uh, added on top. So he'll be here in Toronto for the next eight seasons because he's got one year left on his current deal. Um, it's big for the Jays to add that second consistent solid arm behind Hunjin Ryu. And he'll be that number one guy eventually when he develops and takes over uh, when Ryu's contract is up. Pitching is the number one thing that this Jays teams need. And it's big for them to get this guy really early on in the offseason because it sets the tone for the rest of the offseason that they're looking to make moves, spend money, and compete for uh, the playoffs next season. You know they're hungry for that in Toronto after the taste they were given this past oh, summer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, they just missed out. And they'll finally be back playing in Toronto consistently, and the fans are going to come in droves, and that is certainly going to pay back this big contract for Jose. Yeah, on top of just not wanting to lose out value and yeah. uh, when you send away prospects. It, it instantly makes that trade worth it. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right, we will cycle back to our NBA storylines. Uh, this time, the Western Conference edition, going through all the teams at varying lengths in the rankings, talking about their 13 to 15 games played so far, what we've seen, why we expect it to continue, go down, get better, interesting trends, notes, observations, uh, diagnosis, diagnosis, and prognosis. Starting off, the number one team I don't think anyone saw this coming heading in uh, the Golden State Warriors 11 and 2, jumping off the stats in so many different places. Uh, first in points per game, assists, steals, defensive rating, the only team in the league holding their opponents below 100 at 99.3 on their defensive rating, best in fast break points, and the best net rating, your offensive rating compared with your defensive rating and Steph Curry starting it all with second best points per game at 28. Yeah. He's been superb right back to his MVP level that he was playing at last season. He's second on that NBA.com ladder behind Kevin Durant. And in the eyes of most folks, he's probably at the top of the charts. He's been superb. As I already mentioned, uh, lights out from three. He now I believe he holds over half of the games where players have scored nine or more three-pointers, uh, and he passed Ray Allen become the all-time three-points-made leader in the NBA at the <laughs> spring chicken age of 33. He's got a long way to go still. That He's going to blow that number one spot out of the water, and he's been fantastic. But the big thing that we talked about going into the season with this Warriors team was – where is that secondary scoring going to come from? 
and a lot of people had their eyes on Jordan Poole, and he stepped up to the plate, averaging 17 points per game. He's been really great for them as a secondary scorer. He's averaging 96% from the free throw line as well. And a big thing for him, not the greatest three-point shooter, but he's averaging 58% on two-point attempts, which is huge for him in terms of creation. Uh, Just the ability to knock down tougher shots opens up the floor for everyone else. They usually have always a non-shooter on the floor in Draymond or in Kevon Looney, but this is a team that's gelled really well. Uh, Everyone is excited to see what Kaminga and Moody could do, but they're not really playing at all. It's contributions from guys like, JTA from Gary Payton Jr. or the second, pardon me, who has been awesome as a defensive guy and then throwing down some vicious dunks. They've been getting some production from Damian Lee and getting a lot more out of Iguodala, who just fits so well in that system, even now at the age of 38. It's a lot of guys have come together and I don't see them sustaining it with the age of some of the guys on this roster and the miles that have been put on this team. But it's a scorching hot start that is going to put them in a great position as the season goes along. And the other thing about consistency for this is the scorching hot start is mainly a collection of winning every game they're supposed to win as opposed to the normal most of the games they're supposed to win. Uh, Two wins against the Thunder, against the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Kings, the Timberwolves. They opened up with a pair of wins in LA and their most signature biggest win thus far of the season coming against the Bulls in a great team effort that saw Steph shoot the lights out. Uh, So they've shown the ability to compete against top teams, but they haven't had a huge quantity of tests to see how they emerge in that kind of environment. Um, But also Clay Thompson going to return to the lineup at some point and with Jordan Poole doing a lot of things for them but not necessarily as much as they'd like at the three-point efficiency that leaves space for Clay to come in Mm -hmm. Uh, my last note for this team was just their leading 13 scorers one through 13 are all above 40 percent field goal percentage so just super effective defensive team and super efficient on the offense that goes hand in hand with the league leading assists. I think Um, definitely been given a gift in their schedule through 13 games, but you need fantastic team play to make the most of it. And that's exactly what the Warriors have done. Yeah. Yeah. They've been great everywhere. Leading the league in steals and the defensive rating has been fantastic as well. They really do a good job staying in front of people on the perimeter And yeah, it's crazy to see Jordan Poole can really plug into that bench when Clay is back and be a Tyler hero type for this team. Um, And really impressive. The one thing I would say is they do have the lowest strength of schedule. So moving forward, some tougher matchups starting tonight with the marquee matchup of the early season, taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Cannot wait for that starting. It's on right now as we speak, actually. Yeah, the arguable number one team in each conference right now. That is must-watch basketball. Why are we recording this podcast? Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll try and run through that quickly and maybe catch the end of it. Number two, the Phoenix Suns, 10-3. and three. Bit of a shaky 500 start, dropping games against the Kings, the Trailblazers, the Nuggets. Since then, lighting it up on a league-best nine-game win streak. Um, this the team we both predicted to be the best in the league, so not surprising at all to see 
this type of play recently from them. Yeah, uh, not the best start to the season, but they've certainly turned it around and the continuity is big with these guys and, and that's really helped them stabilize things and you know what you're going to get from them on a, on a night to night basis. It's uh, Chris Paul doing his thing. He had a fantastic move against Anthony Edwards the other night uh, of the Timberwolves. Bridges is going to do his thing. Devin Booker, 23 points per game uh, is the leader in that regard. Deandre Aiden, who took a step up in the playoffs, hasn't started at ideally what they want, but um, he has missed a couple games. And when he gets back full time in that rotation, you know, Chris Paul, he runs such a tight ship. This team is just going to be a force to be reckoned with throughout the regular season. Is this, there's not too much to say. Um, similar to Golden State, I part of it is because they are the one in two teams, but Phoenix with the second lowest strength of schedule, so in for some tougher matchups as they move along. But uh, again, this is a team that last season showed it is one of the top teams in the West, and it's going to continue to do so. so. Not much more for me to say here. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the strength of schedule. They have a really interesting next three games ahead going back-to-back against the Mavs, followed by a chance for two avenge their only remaining unavenged loss against the Nuggets. Uh, So that will tell us a little more about this team. I love that. I think they have the best big three in the league. You can argue in terms of uh, role-playing. Like I love that Chris Ball leading the league in assists, DeAndre Ayton averaging a double-double, hyper-efficient on his points, somewhere around the 60% mark with the 10 rebounds, and then Booker leading the team in points production down the last two seasons as opposed to before so that seems to kind of come with the more team success so it's hard to criticize that dip in points uh just three really solid players and we've talked about the depth plenty so that's all i've got to add i think we can move along to the number three team the dallas mavericks um, we keep say, talking about strength of schedule and expecting a dip. This actually the one I'm expecting most to see a dip in at some point, just because kind of we're still waiting on that next step forward. It doesn't seem there for Luca or Przingis yet. Yeah. They're about where they were last season. Yeah, it's it's a weird team because it feels like they've gotten off to a slow start. And new head coach, of course, and Jason Kidd is experimenting with some different lineups and they haven't really found something that works yet. Yet they've started the season, what is it, eight, nine and four? Third yeah. in the Western Conference, like not a bad place to be for a team that just doesn't seem right. And Luca's still playing his way into shape, um, which is a scary thing for the league because he's averaging 25 points per game, eight assists, eight rebounds, uh, LeBron-like numbers really from him. You'd like to see that three-point percentage tick up a little bit, just hovering above 30%. Uh, But again, you're getting those regular season contributions from guys like Porzingis, from Tim Hardaway Jr., and then Jalen Brunson has been a revelation for them so far in this early season. A guy that I would have been happy to get if the Raptors had swung uh, Goran Dragic and all of those potential trades, especially with Dragic not playing right now for the Raps, that would yeah. be a great guy to pick up. I still think that might be on the table. Could be, could be. I just don't know if Dragic is the right guy for this Mavericks team. They might be some, right. looking for something a little bit higher. Again, all it's going to come down to this team is 
what's Porzingis going to end up giving you? You can't play him at the five right now consistently because he's too injury prone. And there's not a lot of centers that fit well with him in a sense, uh, because he's so poor defensively, you need a lot in that center to make it up. And then when that happens, then you're missing out on the offensive potential of having a great center with a guy like Luca. So a weird team, weird start to the season. Um, they are in the lower half of the league of strength of schedule, but should have some easier games coming up. And I guess they're probably going to slide a little bit here with Luca missing tomorrow's game against the Suns. He did have an ankle injury against the Nuggets in their win. So um, something to keep an eye on for sure, because without him, they're going to slide. And that matchup against the Suns and back-to-back, followed by another back-to-back, some playoff uh, memories going against the Clippers, <laughs> and then a game against the Wizards, the top team in the East right now. So a tough next five games for the Mavericks that much tougher because Porzingis at 20 points, then uh, Finney Smith, Hardaway, and uh, one more around 15 with Luca gone. Someone's really going to need to step up for them. So we'll see what they can do. Moving right along to the Denver Nuggets, nine and five. Uh, here's a, two stats for you that I did not expect to see. The second best defensive rating in the league at 102.5. In all nine of their wins, they've held their opponents below 100 points, Owen. Yeah, it's a little shocking, uh, but you are seeing the defensive upside of a guy like Aaron Gordon. Um, you're seeing a good team defense here from guys like Monte Morris, Will Barton, uh, Jeff Green, PJ Dozier are, are being regular contributors. Uh, Facundo Campazzo, not great in size, but plays uh, more than his size in terms of aggressiveness on the defensive side of the ball. And then Naheem's Bones Highland, like a just all-time name, has been really great for them and, and has been an underrated rookie so far in this season, um, averaging 8.5 points, two assists, and two rebounds, but shooting 92% from the free throw line and 34% from three, off to a great start to his rookie campaign. And uh, this team has the potential to get a lot more fun when Jamal Murray comes back. And I want to see a little bit more bull bull time because whenever he's on the floor, something fun happens. But the, again, another team, they've had some guys miss some games like Dallas. You got to be happy that you're sitting in that top half of the Western conference with how your season started. And Nikola Jokic, of course, still right there in the MVP conversation. Yeah, we can't move on from them without mentioning what he's done this season. It's frankly still absurd all these years in. Uh, sixth best, 26 points per game at a 59% field goal clip, 38 point, 38% from the three on 4.5 attempts a game, and 13.8 in rebounds for second best in the league, also leading his team at 6.3 assists. And that shows in everyone on the team except Rivers and MPJ being above 40% on their field goal. It was uh, a big five-game homestand win in there to get those numbers up that came after back-to-back -back losses against the Grizzlies, which a bit off-brand for where this team is supposed to be at. Yeah, they're going to miss Jamal and, and Michael Porter Jr. with that back issue. 
is definitely a concern. So they're going to have to ride their MVP who's shown that he can do it. He can take four other guys and turn it into a competent basketball team. You and I could play there with two of our friends with Jokic and be a competent basketball team. Uh, All right. We've talked about strength of schedule helping teams. Um, This next one really interests me, the Utah Jazz at eight and five, because I think they are one easy gauntlet away from jumping to first position based off the games they've played so far. All five of their losses coming against Eastern teams, they're five and zero against teams in the West, second best offensive rating, third best net rating, a 45% team field goal percentage. Uh, This team's had some tough matchups in the early going, but when then when they get that run against the Pelicans, the Rockets, the Thunders that we're seeing the Warriors and the Suns thriving off of right now, you could see this team jump up to the number one spot pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, a big thing for them right now is last season they led the league in three-point percentage uh, and they took a ton of attempts. Even this season, they are first in three-point attempt rate, uh, but that percentage has fallen quite significantly. They're ranked 26th in the league in three-point percentage. So that is where you're seeing a bit of a dip in production for them. Uh, And the other interesting thing that you mentioned, all their losses coming to East teams, that, that could be a product of like familiarity almost where Utah just has a great system in place against all these Western teams that they're playing against. And I, I mean, they've caught the heat twice and, and struggled with them, but it's, that's, that's a fascinating stat for me. I'd be interested to see uh, more about that. Utah, another team feels like the top of the West here. There's a lot of continuity besides golden state you know what you're going to get on a night-to-night basis from Donovan Mitchell, from Rudy Gobert, from Royce O'Neal, Bogdanovich, Conley, Clarkson. That six is really, really rock solid. The next thing for them is what they're going to get from the bottom half of this lineup. Joe Ingles, again, that's basically rounds in their solid seven, but after that, it's Hassan Whiteside, Eric Pascal, Trent Forrest, Jared Butler, who's a rookie uh, who played really well at Baylor, but it's not translating the same to the NBA as as it is with most late round rookies. Um, where can they get that additional production uh, if the threes aren't falling in order for them to sustain their regular season success? I don't worry about them figuring it out because they have such a track record of, of being a really solid and complete team. And I don't worry about them until playoff time when they got to start figuring out what to do about this Gobert problem. But as the regular season stands, if you haven't been watching, you haven't missed much with the Utah Jazz. Tied with the Jazz, an eight and five record after a tough start. A seven game win streak has brought the Los Angeles Clippers up to eight and five. As I said, tied for fifth. Uh, we knew without Kawhi, Paul George was going to have to step up, and he has 100% done that, leading the team with 25 points in minutes, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals, half a block, a 45% field goal average. And you look at the stat sheet for a lot of their wins, you will either see him showing up big offensively or defensively, such as I think like eight steals for their first win. Um, George doing everything he can for this team, but is it enough? Yeah, he has been MVP level. And uh, Jonathan Charks, who I listened to, made a really great point about the fact that going into this season, 
Paul George knew that Kawhi wasn't going to be playing. And so he knew he could just play his game to the fullest potential. He's not hitting the brakes. He's not kind of hovering on the perimeter, looking to be that secondary score creator uh, off of Kawhi. It's his team. And when he's put in that position, he's a great player. The shot making has been phenomenal for him. 26.5 points per game eight rebounds a game, five assists. The playmaking's really ticked up for him. And he's at 36% three-point percentage, which has been fabulous. Uh, really, like, not much you can say about this guy. His field goal attempts up over 20 a game, which is a sign that he's really embracing that uh, number one player role. And then Reggie Jackson, showing that last year was not an anomaly, playing at a really high level as well. They've gotten some great contributions from Terrence Mann, Eric Bledsoe, who's kind of playing like a like a – Bruce Brown type role for this team, um, a point guard who's kind of playing center for them a lot of times in the small ball lineup. And this is another team with quite a bit of continuity now from the past two seasons. They are figuring things out. I have them listed here as third in defensive rating. They've done a great job on that side of the ball, allowing teams with uh, their third in the league in effective opponent, effective field goal percentage. Um, the fascinating thing for me is just, can they stay afloat? This is a team that I think actually has potential to make another trade. They've got the Luke Kennard contract. They've got Zubac or Hartenstein. Kind of, you could go with either one or the other there in that package. Justice Winslow and Serge Ibaka. You could really try and put things together and see if you could package that into one more uh, higher level player to fix into that rotation. But again, not much more to be said about the Clippers. They, they've had that hot streak, which has propelled them into a playoff spot. And I think they're going to hover around that lower half of, of the top eight in the Western conference. Yeah. I think offensively there is some space still to fill in, um, in the playoffs when the Clippers were at their post Kawhi best, Jackson and Paul were a one, a one B combo where either guy was capable of torching for 30 points. And it was really just up to defensive rotation, which one that would be so far. Jackson's been kind of hot and cold at 18 points. Sounds like a funny number because it implies some consistency. There's been a lot of like four to six point nights and then some 20, five to 30 point nights and their win losses correlate fairly strongly with that and the rest of the team struggling to score at times uh, I do think they're that on nights where George is a bit less efficient this team could really use someone else to help fill in that consistency and yeah. without it they I could see them sliding a bit down again um, like a kind of low relatively low field goal percentage in a lot of their games they've been able to hide by just forcing their opponents to have a lower field goal percentage so it's going to take a grueling effort filled season for them to maintain their spot yeah but that's one thing that they can do with that perimeter oriented style defense where they switch it is effective against a lot of teams with centers who can't put the ball in the hoop but it 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 will take a couple games like right now their strength of schedule hovering around the middle of the league, but they could run into a couple teams like, uh, I don't know, Philadelphia with a center with a, a Denver that could give their team some struggles, but uh, on a regular season basis, the, the switchable defense is usually pretty effective. All right. We get to one of the marquee teams of the NBA, 
I think depending on your perspective, they are either way above or way below your expectations, though in reality, this is probably right where they should be. The Los Angeles Lakers, eight and seven. Um, last, I feel like they've kind of flipped the script. Last year, one of the best defensive teams in the league, helping them get by when their offense struggled. This year, one of the best offensive team in the in the leagues on uh, just eking through in a lot of really high scoring games so far this season. They put up a lot of points. Yeah. Ninth in the league, but their offensive rating is 24th. Okay. And that's, it's... yeah, it's been pretty indicative. I mean, obviously LeBron James has only played six games so far this season. And this is a team that has a, bunch of guys who all think they should be playing I mentioned that a couple weeks ago that there is that sort of disease where everyone thinks they should be playing a greater role than maybe they should be um and just the it's feels like the world is ending in Los Angeles and they're eight and six sitting in seventh in the west that's kind of where I had them pegged at the beginning of the season I had them picked sixth once you get LeBron back and you know this, hap- this has happened now three seasons in a row with Westbrook where he started pretty atrociously and the second half of the season MVP. I think that's going to happen again this year. He's just warming up. They need to figure things out, put things together. And the problem is, is that they are in such a hot bed market that everything has an infinite amount of pressure. But this team could be in a lot worse spot. And I think they are going to figure things out as the season goes along. Yeah, couple things for them. Westbrook actually surprising me like better than I thought. His stats putting up like he high always points. puts up the stats. He yeah, always puts high up points, the stats. high rebounds, high assists. Just the five turnovers, a lot of like ridiculous high number turnover games. I did notice the games LeBron played. Westbrook a lot more contained in his role. His uh, field goal attempts somewhere between ten and fifteen normally and his turnovers hovering around four, as whereas these games without him, you see him sometimes a lot more north of 20 field goal attempts and like six plus turnovers. Um, luckier than you think to be at eight wins, three of those wins, their opponents shot around 50% on the free throw mark and the 70 to 80% clip would have put them well ahead in points. Uh, so. I think their defense really getting them into trouble. Fifth worst in opponents field goal made per game and fourth worst in opponents points scored per game. That the number one thing they need to address because like Mello or Monk will suddenly pop up for 25 points to bail them out one in four games. And then the other three, they're getting screwed. Yeah. Well, they lost twice to Oklahoma city. That Mm -hmm. just kind of shows you right there. And that was a big thing coming into this season is, Besides Anthony Davis, who on this team is a plus defender? I did have to point that out. There's a potential there for Talon Horton Tucker to be a guy, but he has never proven that. He's only in his third year in this league, and I don't know if he's really shown enough to be that defensive guy that they need, and it's really not coming from anywhere else in that lineup. Yeah, that's really going to get them into trouble come 
playoff time if we even get to talk about this team at that point, which I think is a question mark now because not a crazy strength of schedule yet. It feels like they're just holding water in a lot of those matchups with the Spurs Rockets. If they have a bad run of momentum, you could easily see them losing a bunch of those Melik matchups, say to the Pelicans, to the Kings, and um, then the sky really will be falling in LA. So something to look forward to for the rest of the world. Moving along, uh, I've lost count. Are we at number seven, eight here? I think the we are at eight. The Memphis Grizzly, Grizzlies. <laughs> I don't know what we're at. We're deep into these pods, folks. <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies at seven and seven. Uh, John Morant, pretty spectacular so far to start the season. Uh, what can you say? This this team is to me a little bit like the antithesis of the Lakers, where it feels like they're having an awesome season. John ja Moran, what a step. I was showing you, I sent you some of those clips, yeah. I think, after the pod. Just ridiculous. Some of the stuff that he's doing at his size, so athletic. Um and shooting like 53% on two-point attempts. And a lot of that's coming at the rim, right? Which is something you don't see from a point guard. Uh, I think he was leading the league in points in the paint at one point this season, which is just stupid. Uh, but they are getting contributions from guys like Desmond Bain. Jaron Jackson Jr. is finally back in the lineup, averaging 14 points per game. DeAnthony Melton's been solid. They're finally starting to integrate Dylan Brooks back into the lineup. He was a big part of their season last year, and uh, they're really going to look for him. He's already averaging 20 points a game in the three games he's played so far. Uh, but again, still a team that's middling, almost hanging in purgatory like the 2018 Raptors, waiting for that next move to really help them ascend into that contender conversation. Ja can only do so much, and I just don't know if he's getting enough from a Steven Adams, Zaire Williams. It's a bunch of guys who can really play, but no one else besides Ja really takes them over that, that hump there. And, and it's shown they've played a pretty tough strength of schedule so far, sixth in the league. So that's something for Grizzlies fans to hold on to. Uh, and they rebound the ball really well offensively. And that's a lot of that's coming from Steven Adams. Uh, they take a ton of field goal attempts coming off of those rebounds, but defensively uh, second worst in the league defensive rating. And that has been the big problem for them is they are leaking oil on that side of the ball. I think Dylan Brooks is going to help out a little bit with that, but the problem has been that Steven Adams has not been that defensively sound center that they were expecting him to be when they moved out Jonas Valanciunas and they brought him in. And then Jaron Jackson Jr., however talented he is offensively, is not great in those matchups against fours. Uh, he's he's rather slow laterally now after a couple of injuries. And so you worry about that. And then, yeah, the rest of the guys, there's potential there for more defensive upside from this team. Just, again, young and going through a couple struggles. and. They need to lock into to their system as the year goes along. Yeah, the Memphis Grizzlies, you mentioned their strength of schedule. This seems like a team that should have a fairly clear advantage over teams ranked, through, say, 15 through 11 in the West. 
they should be able to get the majority of the points out of those matchups. And then it's about how will they do against the rest of the league. Uh, and so far this season, in teams ranked one through eight in either conference, ranked right now, that is, uh, they're four and seven. So not done the best through that strength and schedule, just holding water right now. That's probably going to be good enough to squeak them into a play-in game, um, which we saw them make the most of last year, but hard to see them making that next step forward. Uh, they need to find the right pairing for jazz specialness because truly one of the unique talents in the league right now and a fantastic start to the season for him. Yeah. Again, it's tough to realize because the years have felt long. This is still only jazz third year in the league. Desmond Bain's second, Jaron Jackson's fourth, Melton's fourth, uh, Dylan Brooks is fifth. Zaire Williams is a rookie. Like, this is a really, really young team still. Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark, all these guys are still really young, and so there's still a lot of room for this team to grow. And so that's something that Memphis fans have to really hold on to as the season goes along. Trust the process. A team that would maybe advise you against trusting the process, coming in with a 7-8 and eight record, the Portland Trailblazers, uh, the defensive struggles, something most people forecasted at the start of the season, coming exactly as advertised, giving up the um, high-powered offense, getting them through some of it, but giving up the third-worst opponent three-point percentage. That's their opponents have the third-best three-point percentage shooting against them of any team. Dame, like, there's not really any other point guard's at his type of production at 20 points, eight assists. You either have like the Chris Pauls with really high assists and lower points or guys like Steph with really high points and lower. Just uh, Trey Young, I think, was at 26 points, nine assists. So that puts Damon pretty exclusively company, but doesn't seem to quite be doing enough at the superstar or like game time level mm -hmm. that we might expect. Yeah, this is a it's a team that takes a lot of threes and allows their opponents to make a lot of threes. And it comes down to really Damian Lillard. It was a weird offseason, right? A lot of rumors that he wanted out of Portland. He ended up saying he didn't. And who knows if that's affected him a little bit coming into the season. Hasn't been that same vintage Damian Lillard so far this year. CJ McCollum has been as advertised, he took a step last year. It seems like he's continuing that trend. Um, he's taking around nine threes per game still. It, that's actually down a little bit from what he was doing last year. Norman Powell, still consistent in that starting role. Covington, Nurkic, a um, little bit disappointed in what Larry Nance has done for this team so far because I was really high on that signing. But it, this team just still isn't clicking with the supporting cast around Dame and CJ. And uh, in this Western Conference, which is loaded, in this league, which is loaded with talent, uh, I just don't know if, if the pieces are there to fit around Portland, and they just don't have enough defense, man. It really comes down to defense, fifth worst defensive rating in the league. Uh, they cannot stop anyone, and I don't really see how they fix it. The one thing you got to hold solace is they have played the fourth toughest strength of schedule so far this season. So they will be in line for some easier matchups down the road, but it's 
same story as ever. You got to fix it on the defensive side of the ball. All right. We move along to teams, quite honestly, I just don't care about as much because a lot less playoff relevance. Uh, so let's just run through these. The Oklahoma City Thunder at five and eight, they were actually in a playoff spot, I think, at one point when I was getting ready to sit down to take notes for this. Uh, to their GM's relief, they've moved out of that. And one of the lowest rated offensives in the league, um, but they're just experimenting and collecting data right now, Ao. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting team. They have the third toughest strength of schedule so far this season. Like you said, second worst offensive rating, middle of the pack defensively. But it's just a season for them to experiment, see what they have. We know that they're actively tanking. But you don't want to do too much of that because you've got guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who has been awesome, mostly in those two matchups against the Lakers. He loves playing under the lights at Staples, um, but he's been really consistent partnered with Lugens Dort and Josh Giddy. That's a pretty formidable backcourt that they've been running with. Uh, one, two, three wise, a lot of size there and Dort being the smallest guy, but the most ferocious defender with the uh, steal of Fox and the game winning layup against Sacramento the other night. Those are the three guys that you're really locked in on as uh, a Thunder fan. They've been trying to force this Pokushevsky minutes and he just hasn't been doing it they took a risk on him and it it doesn't look like it's playing out that well and the biggest thing you gotta realize with this team is they have Derek Favors who has played this is 12th season now and then after that Mike Muscala and after that no one else on this team has played more than three years in the league so it's an extremely young team that is loaded with draft picks and they're just enjoying the ride of no expectations, play all the losing basketball you want. They continue to catch some teams unawares. That's why they're still hovering around that play in game. But I feel like it's going to be a similar story as last year where they hover around that play in range and then they fall off a cliff later on in this season. Like they did last year. I think they won two games uh, in the last 35 or something. After advising uh, Shay to take his time with the rehab and throwing Horford off the team for doing too well. Yeah. All right. We move along to the Kings, the a team with an incredibly long playoff drought streak. Eyes are on to see what they can do. And what they can do is the third best offense in the league, but paired with the sixth worst defense in the league. That's a recipe for a five and eight start. Yeah. Not, I have not much to say about this team, yeah. man. I just feel so bad for Kings fans. The one thing that's been great for this team is that now their best player on the team is a guy who a lot of them didn't want to be there in Harrison Barnes. So that must say something for Sacramento fans. He's averaging 21 points per game. He was off to a hard, st hard start. He's cooled down a little bit. But De'Aaron Fox continues to avoid developing his jump shot he's averaging 41 percent on the season and 23 percent from three uh even though he's scoring 20 points per game it's just really inefficient and i think the assist number needs to jump up it's only sitting at around six assists per game tyrese halliburton buddy healed davion mitchell other guys in that backcourt it's it's pretty flooded and i could see them being 
I mean, we've already heard that they've been connected to Ben Simmons, but this is a team that has to shake up the roster. And the Marvin Bagley situation has been brutal. Uh, he actively turned down an opportunity to check into a game uh, the other night. Max, I don't know if you've seen that clip, no. but um, he wants out of there. So it could be a package of Fox and Bagley and, I don't know, throw in a Mo Harkless or an Alex Len, something like that, or uh, even a Rashawn Holmes, just try to bring in something new. <laughs> I mean, they've tried to shake it up now for 15 years and still can't make the playoffs, but I don't know where you go from here if you're the Sacramento Kings. Here we go to the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team we had both picked to make the playoffs. Um, the season's still young, but at four and nine to start, that not looking too likely at the moment. Uh, I also don't have a lot for this team, but just a bit surprised, although they've dropped a lot of matchups to top West teams so far in the season. So maybe shouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, this is a really frustrating team. We've, we had the high expectations for them going into the season. And now I realize that we, probably shouldn't have because they have never proved anything that they know how to play winning basketball. Carl Anthony Towns should be being used more. Um, he's averaging 46% from three <laughs> on seven attempts per game. If you increase that number of attempts, his points per game are going to skyrocket up to near the, the top of the league because he's averaging 23 points per game now. Anthony Edwards in his second season also averaging 23 points. D'Angelo Russell around 18. And then after that, it falls off to all these guys that I was excited about them fitting in defensively behind these three guys. But the problem is on offense, they're what? They're 26th ranked in offensive rating with these three really dynamic scores. But the problem is, is they do not share the ball with one another. It's whoever brings the ball up the court, it's sticking with them and they're taking the shot. And it's gotta be incredibly frustrating for a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who they sometimes trust to bring out the ball up the court, but if it's Russell or if it's Edwards, he's maybe setting a screen or he's out of the action and just watching these guys check up shots. And while they are great scorers, it's not how you get, winning basketball and get your team flowing and it it really like it has to go through your best player which is Carl Anthony Towns and yeah this team not great offensively because of that the ball sticks too much and then defensively they're middle of the pack surprisingly but I feel like again that stat is a little bit overblown because they they give up a ton of offensive rebounds um they they struggle to, to contain the ball in transition. And when Carl Anthony Towns, who's a great offensive center, is your defensive anchor, then your defense can never be too dependable when it comes down to crunch time. And uh, yeah, not much more to say about Minnesota. I regret picking them for the play-in. Well, still plenty of time to go with this. And when you say expectations too high, what you mean is we expected them to finish 10th. So not terribly far off that mark tied with them at four and nine are the San Antonio Spurs a team you can't or never count out because you never know what kind of team basketball they can bring what kind of system pop can implement but uh not a lot going for them so far maybe about where expected 
This roster just bores me. <laughs> DeJounte Murray is their leading scorer. He's actually having a great season so far. 18 points per game, eight assists, eight rebounds. Uh, pretty crazy numbers from him. But besides that, you're getting decent production from Keldon Johnson. They've actually got seven guys in double figures in terms of points per game. But almost feels like they're sharing the ball a little bit too much. And that's the big thing with this team is they don't have that number one guy to lean on on a night to night basis. So if you're relying on a bunch of guys who score anywhere between 10 and 18 points per game, then you just might not be able to put together enough uh, to win games. And you're seeing that 21 ranked in offensive rating. Um, they're second last in the league in three points attempted, even though they're shooting at a decent percentage, thirty-six and a half percent and a, a team that's been getting out rebounded so far. I think their defense actually has room to improve because Jakob Pertl's only played seven games so far this season, and he's a great defensive anchor. Uh, but quite frankly, I haven't watched a minute of Spurs basketball, and there's not much I can say about this team. Yeah, I'll just add to your three-point stat and sharing the ball. I can corroborate that. They had the league highest 95% of their three-point attempts were attempted off an assist, just 5% coming attempted unassisted. Yeah, I'll toss you these last two teams at once because- Thank uh, you, I was going to say so. <laughs> the Pelicans and the Rockets, 2-13, and 1-13 respectively. So bad. <laughs> yeah just defensively not there offensively not enough uh, I actually watched the Pelicans last night blow a 19 point lead to the Wizards just completely inept in the fourth quarter uh, yeah it's shout out Herb Jones who's been a fun rookie for them but this Pelicans team is not going anywhere without Zion and that is very very apparent so far this season Brandon Ingram one of the kings of putting up empty stats. Jonas Valanciunas, bro, yeah. he's going to give you 20 and 10 every night, it seems like. Uh, Best three-point shooter, too. I think he's around like 60% or something. Yeah, I, that, I mean, that that's a little bit inflated, but this team, like, zero defense. They are last in the league in defensive rating. Um, they get just murdered in a lot of different statistics. Um Offensive rating, not much better at 25. You know that I'll skyrocket once Zion is back, but uh, this team's so bad. And then with Houston, um, I was listening to Mismatch podcast today, and, and they made a great point that they're just throwing out guys there with no real point guard. Like, their starting lineup is by far the worst uh, offensive lineup in the league. I think they average 81 points per 100 possessions. So that would be Kevin Porter Jr. at the point guard and Jalen Green at shooting guard. Which one of those guys passes the ball? Remind me. No. Kenya Martin Jr. in there. Uh, they don't like Christian Woods there, but he's, again, another scorer. A lot of guys who need to get the ball in order to do something and don't play well without the ball. <laughs> and yeah, like Jason, they've got some great guys who are going to be appealing for other teams when they pluck them off at the trade deadline, but oh boy, that's it's a actively bad roster. And if you're Houston, if you're New Orleans, you're just licking your chops watching Duke basketball and Gonzaga basketball, looking at Paulo Boncaro and 
and Chet Holmgren as potential guys to to fit with your current uh, young talent. Yeah. So that's that's the bright side for those fan bases. Besides that, you got nothing going for you. Better luck next season. Hope you enjoyed the ten games of hope while they lasted. So bad. All right, we managed to run through that a little quicker. Unfortunately, with a little bit more congestion than I would have liked, but tis the season. Which, that was fun. I think the end of the month will be a nice time to check in on some of these teams, not do a full in-depth thing, but the strength of schedule will have switched up for a lot of them, so we'll be able to see what's stayed the same and what's changed since then. And coming up next... We try and do this again for hockey, which is a sport that lends itself a little less charitably to analytics, uh, which have been a huge blessing to try and figure out big chunks of unwatched games. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it's not going to go well for me. (laughs) But that's we got to throw out some half-baked analysis sometimes, right? That's that keeps you coming back. It's for the average common fan who's looking to get an update on where the league stands. Yeah, at the very least, people know how many stats these teams have and how many points some of their players have. The rest, (laughs) all uh, subjective knowledge. All right. Max, I need a prediction from you for tonight, the largest game in Canadian men's soccer history, the Ice Tekka. The snow classico in Edmonton. It was snowing all day. The field, the stands are covered in centimeters upon centimeters of snow. It is freezing, and they are welcoming the Mexican team in a massive match. I need to hear what your prediction is for the game tonight. It's free on Sportsnet. I'd like you to catch a couple minutes. That channel I don't have, eh? Uh, or do you it's, mean it's, it's free, like on the on the on the app? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, we'll have to see about that. I don't know. They tied them last time, eh? On the road, which is yeah. a big result. If they can take a point out of this too, ooh, baby, yeah. And and a lot of Mexican players have never seen this type of weather before, so <laughs> definitely an advantage there. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That might that could lend itself to the tie. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I am really excited for this match. Uh, big moment, big moment for our boys. We'll be cheering them on. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll get your thoughts on that sooner rather than later after it does play out tonight. Until then, until next time, Sports Next Door, signing off.